have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 40. Psalm chapter 40. We started a summer psalm series. Yes, last Sunday we're just calling Refresh. We're just looking at a few psalms for the next few weeks. Just kind of refresh us as it's been a long year for a number of people. But before we look at the psalm and before I pray, I just want to remind us that tonight there is the fireworks over at the fairgrounds, at Sandwich Fairgrounds. And so if you want to gather with, with us as a church, we'll be out there. We'll have some hot dogs. And if you can bring something to pass, that'd be great. But we'll, the church will provide drinks. Um, so about 6 o'clock on, you can come join us. We're always, uh, we'll be southwest of the grandstand. Um, you'll see us there. So you can join us tonight if you want to and watch the fireworks together. Psalm chapter 40. I'm going to read the whole whole psalm. Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. And the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great generation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O oh Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness in your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great generation. As for you, O oh Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointment altogether who seek to snatch away my life, lest they be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha! But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. Yes, please help, was the 911 call that Juanita Pineda and her son Benjamin made this past week. They were driving around Kane County on the way early in the morning to drop off uh, newspapers on his early morning route about four o'clock in the morning after the big rain. In the middle of nowhere, all of a sudden the road in front of them collapsed and their car went under it. You probably heard it on the news. They were stuck and then another truck didn't see it. They were completely submerged under the ground and another truck went flying right over the top of them. They were in a pit and they were stuck and the only thing that she said as soon as she called 911 was yes 
Please help. And that is what Psalms 40 is. It's a cry of, yes, please help, because I'm stuck in a pit. doesn't matter if it's tornadoes, blown tires, or family traumas. All of those things. God has help for us this morning in Psalms 40. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, we just do thank you that you are God. Lord, all of us this morning are either in a pit or we feel it may be coming up to one. So Lord, help us to be refreshed by your word, strengthen our faith, deepen our hope in you this morning. Lord, just with all those who are just struggling emotionally or physically or spiritually in our church, pray that you give them grace, remove every distraction this morning, help us to hear from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Psalm 40 is an interesting psalm in the way that it is written in its order. It's, it's started out with the psalm at the beginning of deliverance, and then it ends with this plea by David, who wrote the psalm, for help. And it's also significant that the last part of Psalm 40, verses 13 through 17, is Psalm 70. If you read Psalm 70, it's identical. Psalm 40 and the last part of Psalm 17. So there's been a lot of debate about what does this mean? Are these two separate psalms? Are they split together? I believe Psalm 40 is one whole song. But that what David prays here at the end was so good that they put it in another section of the psalms, which are a collection of five different psalms. But ultimately, it just tells us this. It tells us there is help when we are in the pit and how to get out of the pit when we need help getting out of the pit. When David wrote this psalm, if you look at verse 12, I believe when he wrote this psalm, he's looking at his life, he's looking at his situation, he's trying to figure out what's going on with his life, he feels at this moment like he's in a pit. I think he wrote this psalm from verse 12. This is where he says he's at. He says, For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails me. That's where David was in his life when he wrote this psalm. He's trying to figure out in his lament at the last part of this psalm, how am I going to deal with this situation? How am I going to handle this suffering in my life? How am I going to deal with this pit situation in my life? And what he does, and what he describes for all of us, and for the people of God, and the nation of Israel as the king, he says this is how, if you're a Christian, if you're a person of God, if you're the people of God, if you're a follower of Christ, this is how you deal with being in a pit and how you deal with overcoming and getting out of the pit. And he says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and I inclined to me, and he heard my cry. He drew me out of the pit of destruction. First thing, right at the beginning, that David says to us, and to all the people, the people of God, the nation of Israel, is that pitfalls are just a part 
of life. It's part of our suffering. It's part of living in a broken world. You, you could say many different things from what he's saying in verse 12. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. We, we live in that, in the real world. We live in a broken world. And there are evils that encompass us all around the place that we know of and that we don't know of. And, J- and David said, the pit that I was in, it, it felt like this miry bog. This just, I couldn't escape it. In Jeremiah 38, there's a, an account of Prophet Jeremiah, he's, he prophesies, and the people don't like what he says. He says they're not going to win the battle, and they're ticked off by that. So they grab him, and they throw him into this cistern, into this well, it says in Jeremiah 38, and it's empty. There's nothing in it, but it says he gets thrown into the well, and it's mud and muck at the bottom. And he just sinks inside there, and he's stuck. He's going to die in there. It's completely dark. There's absolutely no hope. Every time he tries to move, he can't get out. It's, it seems like whatever he tries, he's not going to get himself out of the pit. That's the picture that David is describing about his life situation. It feels like he's stuck in this empty well, up to his knees. He can't get out. Every time he tries to move, he just sinks deeper and deeper. So much so that in Jeremiah's time, they had to send a rope down and pull him out. He could not get out on his own. That's what David's talking about in this pit. This is life situations where you feel like you are stuck. It's dark. Whatever you try to do, it just gets more difficult. It doesn't get easier. It gets harder. That's where David's at. He's trying to tell the people of God, listen, how do you deal with those types of situations? How do we deal with the life situations that we all go through, that pitfalls are a part of life? And we're not supposed to be surprised by it. We are the first society, the first generation and culture that was surprised by suffering. Every other culture in the world for centuries expects suffering and isn't surprised by suffering. It's a part of life. Our culture is one of the first generations and first cultures that is surprised when bad things happen to us. And 1 Peter 4.12 says this, Beloved, for Christians, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice. We're not supposed to be surprised. We live in a broken world with all kinds of different pits that we go through that feel like mud, muck, and mire, and you can't get out of them. Right? That's our experience often. That was King David's experience, a man after God's own Heart, but the good news about Psalm 40 is it doesn't say to us, David doesn't say, well, this is exactly the situation I was going through. And so this is my trouble right now, and this is how I got out of it. He doesn't say that. He just says that, listen, I'm in a situation, or I was in a situation when I was in the pit of destruction. I was in a miry bog, and we don't know what that is. So we can put all our pits in that situation. What is your pit that you're going through right now? It could be a pit of sin. Maybe you have just walked away from God and you know it and you can't escape it. And every time you try on your own, you feel like it's just getting worse. You can't overcome it. You feel like you are in this pit of sin and you don't know how to get out of it. It could be a pit of pain physically. You're going through something. And you don't know why or when you're ever going to overcome the physical pain of it. Or it could be an emotional pit of pain. You you lost a loved one. 
or you've got family problems or kid problems or children or you're taking care of your older, older parents. All kinds of family, emotional pain that you're going through and you, you just try to figure it out and it's just getting worse. It's not getting any better. Or it could be a pit of wrong habits or some addiction that you have. And you are trying to fight it. And you've tried to fight it. And you've tried to fight it. It just won't go away. All those things, David would have called just a pit of destruction. He was in this miry bog. Or it could be the pit of pace. Your life is so busy. You are so rushed all the time that you're just stuck on go. And you can't stop. You'd love to stop. But you, you don't know how to stop. You, you're just going and going and going. And spiritually, you know you are drained and exhausted. And you can't figure out how to get out of the pit of just slowing down. It's always a rush. Everything's a hurry. And you don't know how to fix it. All of those things are things that we deal with that we could be pits. And what David does in Psalm 40 is he works through for himself. He works through for himself in this new pit that he's in. Surrounded, he says, by sin. It's encompassed me. It's beyond number. My iniquities, they've overtaken me. I cannot see. And so he's trying to figure out, how am I going to deal with this pit? How am I going to overcome it as a believer, as a person of faith, as a follower of God? How am I going to overcome this pit? And instead of listening to himself, instead of listening to himself, where he's like, well, just give up. God's not there for you. You know, you're stuck. Everything you're trying is not working, so God's against you. Just, Just quit. Just give up. Instead of listening to himself, David's talking to himself in Psalms 40. And he says, what did I do last time to get out of the pit? And what will help me this time to fight through the pit that I'm going through? How can the people of God, how can Christians... Christ followers, not listen to ourselves, but talk to ourselves and overcome the pits that we get put into. What's the right response to pitfalls as Christians? That's what David shares with us. And I got five principles from Psalms 40 that are helping you and helping me that will help us survive and thrive in these pitfalls that we go through. The first one is this. David had a proper relationship with with God. In verse 4 and 8 says this. He's in this pit. God deliver him. He remembers this time when he was in great trouble. He remembers it. He couldn't get out of it. So he stops. He thinks back to what happened back then. How did I overcome that? And he thinks through it in verses 1 through 3. And he tells a quick personal testimony of this is how it happened. And so then he says in verse 4, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. The only way a person of faith, a Christian, is going to be able to come overcome or even you fully overcome a pit in your life is to have a proper relationship with God. David says, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who doesn't turn to idols, is what it says with the pride, who isn't, who isn't turning to other things to try to find satisfaction or to overcome his situation. He's blessed because he makes the Lord his trust. There is nothing more difficult, someone said, for the flesh than to trust God alone. There is nothing more difficult for our flesh, our natural selves, than to have to say, I'm going to trust God solely and completely. And David says, listen, if you are going to overcome pitfalls in your life and the pits that you are in, you have to have a proper relationship 
with God. You have to come to the end of yourself and say, I can't do it. I'm a sinner. I need help outside of myself and see Jesus for who he is. If you're not a Christian and you are going through a very difficult time, you'll never fully overcome that pit until you have a right relationship with God and say, I need Jesus Christ. I need to come to the end of myself. I need to see that I can't do it. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who doesn't go after vain idols. And if you are a Christian, but you're trying to figure all this stuff out on your own, and you're trying to do your own efforts, and your relationship is not right with God, and you're trying to earn it or fix it or say, if I just try harder, God will do this, it's not gonna have a, that's not the way it works. Because God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble, that's what David, sa- David says. He says, God, you, you didn't ask for an offering, a sacrifice. You don't, you don't want a sacrifice. You don't want, you're not delighted in this, those things. What you're delighted in is someone who humbly comes before God and says, I can't do it, and humbles themselves before God. I need Jesus. I need your help. And repent of trying to do it your own way. And God says, I will answer that prayer, and I will draw near to you. We're going to get through our pits. We have to have proper relationship with God. And second, we have to trust in God's perfect providence. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. We have to believe what God says about himself, which is that he is sovereignly in control of everything. Everything. He is sovereignly in control. He is, his providence controls everything that happens. He, he lets it rain on the evil and the good. He is designing everything. He's a master weaver of our lives. We have all these different strings, and some of them have, have little uh, just neutral colors, and some of these colors are very black and very bright. And there, there are all these situations that happen to us, and God's weaving all these things together. And for a lot of times, we think, that when we, we know what's going on when he pulls the string slowly. When, when we have a situation and it slowly starts to develop, we, we think that we can figure out what God's doing there. We, we think that, oh, I see why this has happened in my life. But when he yanks them fast and he pulls the strings of our lives quick, we can't figure it out. And we say, well, I don't know what God's doing. Is God even there for me anymore? And we're okay sometimes with trusting in God's slow providence. But when he does the quick pulls, and we're we're fine one day, and the next day we're not fine, we have got to continue to trust in God's perfect providence. God governs the affairs of the world according to his own good pleasures. God is for you. He's not against us. Ravi Zacharias, one of the greatest apologists in our day, was in India, and he grew up in India, and he was, his desire was to go into the military. He was going to live and serve and um, be in the Indian military. He was trained for it. He put all his time into it. His family was so proud of him. They said, yes, you, know, you, you go and do that. And then he was past everything. And then he was supposed to have this interview. And it was the final stage to get into the military, which is a huge deal. Big honor for his family in India. He goes for the interview. Everything's looking good. He's at the top of his class. The guy interviews him, and he says, we're not going to take you. You weren't built to kill. We're not going to take you. He was devastated. He came back home. The next year, his family moved to Canada, 
becomes a Christian, and his whole life has impacted thousands of people around the world for Christianity. God is in control of all the aspects of your life. All those little strings that you thought, well, I thought it was going to go this way, and all of a sudden God yanked it this way, and I'm not sure what's going on. Has God abandoned me? Is God really for me? Why would he let that happen to me? Christians, we, ha- we may say why, but we have to trust that God's perfect providence is in control. Ignorance, someone said of God's providence, is the greatest of all miseries, and the knowledge of it is the highest happiness. If we can say, yes, I I don't fully know, but I'm going to trust that God is sovereignly. I'm going to believe what he says about himself. He's sovereignly in control. He raises up and he lowers people. He brings to pass whatever he wants for his will and for his glory. David says he trusted in God's providence. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. So he had a right relationship with God. He trusted in God's perfect providence. And then David says, what did I do last time? How did I get out of this pit? And he's just reminding himself, and he's reminding us, this is how he did it. This is what happens. He was very patient in perseverance. Verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to to me and heard my cry. That literally means I waited while I waited. While waiting, I waited. And I waited, which means he persevered. That's part of God's plan for us. Often, it's part of God's plan for us to wait. But it's not a waiting. David didn't pray, and he didn't just wait without thinking, well, is God going to do anything? This was a waiting with confidence in God's providence. So he was saying, I'm going to wait while I wait, because I know that God is going to do something in this. It wasn't like he was just waiting, hoping that God would show up, hoping that God, well, I hope God shows up this time. That's not at all what he was saying. He said, I waited while I waited with expectancy that God's going to interfere, he's going to work in this in some way. So I'm just going to persevere. I'm just going to hold on. I'm just going to keep the faith. Psalms 37, 8 and 9 says this. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself if it, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Listen, if you are in a tough situation and God pulls a fast string on you and you thought it was going to go this way and all of a sudden he pulls a string in your life and it goes a different way and you're not sure why, the response to God is not, well, I'm angry at God now because he ripped me off. That's not the response of a Christian. The response of a Christian is, I'm going to wait while I wait, because I know my God is going to work in this situation. I'm going to persevere through this. We need, there there are a lot of Christians who don't do this. They have a situation, life's going good for them, all of a sudden, totally different direction. It wasn't going to happen that way, all of a sudden, well, Who does God think he is giving me all this stuff? I'm angry at God now. I mean, God got some issues. You don't have an issue with God. God's not done you any wrong. Anything that God does for us or to us is more than we deserve because of our sin. So we're called to do in our pit is do what David did. He, He waited while he waited. He persevered in faith. He didn't fret. He didn't get angry at God. He he just waited patiently with all his questions. But he didn't say anything foolish. He waited, persevered with God. 
Because he knew what Isaiah says. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He believed what God said about himself was true. And he's like, well, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait for God does what he says he's going to do because I know he's going to do it. My dad is going to show up. He's not going to leave me abandoned. You ever left your kids at school and you forget about them? You know, do they, and they, we, I've done that. Oh, I thought Teresa was picking them up and I'm supposed to pick them up. And so they are stuck. But you know what they do? They stay. They don't go running home because they know dad's going to come eventually. So they wait while they're waiting. They may have all kinds of questions. They may have all kinds of issues with me, but they wait. And that's what God's calling us to do. Wait with faith in perseverance. Then David says, what else are you supposed to do? You be persistent in your petition. Verses 13 through 17 he just he goes through all these things. He says, God, your, your ways are so great. Your providence is unbelievable. You, you do all these marvelous things. I can't even understand all the things that it takes for even me to get out of bed in the morning, for you to wake me up, to give me air, to let my muscles work, how you, to, you let me walk over here, how you let me think, how I wake up still believing that you exist, how you hold me. That's all God's providence. I don't even understand any of that. And David says, it's, it's so marvelous I can't think about it. It's overwhelming to him, the providence of God. So he waits in patient perseverance, and he just persists, though, in petition. It isn't case or sirrah. Well, whatever it will be, will be. It's not what he does. Because of who God is, and because of the sovereign providence of God, David is very comfortable knowing that his father loves him, that he can cry out to his Abba Father and say, Lord, deliver me. He's persistent in his petition. There, there's so many Christians, even myself at times, we're in struggling. Well, have you prayed about it? Yeah, I prayed about it. How many times? Twice. Uh, I thought this was a real big problem in your life. Have you fasted about it? No, man, I like to eat. Uh, I, I, I thought this was a huge problem in your life. Well, I'm expecting God to do stuff for me. God's supposed to work this thing out. But you are, you're, you're just toying with the petition. God says, pour out your heart to him in Psalms 50. Pray, ask him, be persistent in petition. God wants us to be desperate for him. It says that all through scripture, Psalms 50, 15, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. We, We can pray with great persistence and great desperation. But we don't even do that for our own problems sometimes. We're like, well, I'm really worked up about this situation, and I, I prayed twice. And so God's supposed to work and fix it right now. And if he doesn't, well, God's ripped me off. That's not what God says at all. David is absolutely convinced of the sovereignty of God, the providence of God in his life, and that he pleads with great desperation in his petition. He prays, deliver me, O God. De- deliver me, O God, with great persistence. And then, when he was delivered, when he was brought through the last pit, he survived it, but he also thrived in it. And he, he went into purposeful praise. After it's all through, look at verse 9 and 10. I mean, God's delivered him from the last situation. He was rescued from the miry muck. He believed in God's providence. He was persistent in his prayer. He trusted God. He, he persevered by waiting 
And he didn't keep it to himself. He says, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. He was purposeful in his praise. When God delivered him, he told other people about it. He expressed God's praise. He wasn't keeping it to himself. That's a key part of our God works in our lives. God allows things to happen in our lives because he loves us and for his purpose. When Johnny Erickson Tata, when she was 17 years old, was out to swim on a beautiful summer day, hanging out with her friends, dives into the, the, the lake, hits her head. She's devastated. 17 years old, she has her whole life in front of them, in front of her. What is God doing? She's absolutely desperate for God, and her pastor says to, told her this quote, and she's hold on, held on to it for her entire life. She says, the pastor came to her and he said, Johnny, sometimes God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. And she grabbed on to that. And even now, 40-some years later, her entire life has been to the praise of God's glory. She has not kept silent about what God has done in her life. God has used her internationally, helping all kinds of people who are in her situation, talking about the glory of God, talking about suffering, and how to suffer well as a Christian, even as she suffers continually. And she says it doesn't get better. It doesn't get easier. But she praises God constantly every time she, he brings her out of a pit for God's glory. She's very purposeful in her praise. This is what God does for us. 2 Corinthians 1 4 says this God comforts us so that we can comfort other people with the same comfort where we with, we've been comforted. It says, Who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the same comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort. That's what Johnny Johnny has done. That's how you get out of a pit if you're a Christian. You have a right relationship with God. You trust in God's perfect providence. You you be patient in perseverance. You persist in petition, and you are purposeful in your praise. But how do we do that? How do we align ourselves that way? we don't always do that, do we? That's not how we often deal with our struggles. How are we going to do that when we are in the pit and we know what we're supposed to do? we got all the knowledge in the world. I just gave it to you. This is what David did. This is how you get out of it. How is it going to work out in our own lives? Because I can't do this. I can't do this every day when I'm in a struggle. I need help outside of myself even to do what God says is the way to do it. So how am I going to do it? How are you going to do it this week? How, how do we walk by faith in this? How do we fight for the faith in this? Well, we do what David did. And we do what Jesus says to do, which we trust in the better David. King David did this. But David was a man. There was a better David that did this perfectly for us. So much so that Jesus even quoted this passage about himself in Hebrews 10, when he says, Behold, I have come 
In the scroll of the book it is written to me, I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. Jesus is the better David. David followed this, and he followed God's law, but he would have failed. We needed someone better, and Jesus is our better David. He was the one who came and fulfilled the law perfectly for us, so that even in our pits, even when we can't do the things Psalms 40 says for us to do, we can have hope that we can do it. We can have the grace that we can do it. Because even when I don't think I can do it, I can do it not because of me, but because Jesus actually did all these things perfectly. He waited very patiently for his father. When he was on earth for 33 years and he suffered and he waited and he waited for the will of God to be done. He let God do all kinds of things painful to him. The sin of the world was cast on him. He waited on the cross forever with the weight of the guilt of sin on him forever. He waited, and he waited persistently, and he he prayed persistently. And he trusted in the providence of God persistently. And he went all the way into the deepest pit possible to the tomb. And God the Father still loved him and rose him from the grave. And because of that, we have hope. When I can't get out of the pit and follow Psalms 40 perfectly, I picture, and what you have to do is we have to picture Jesus Christ. Because I can't do it. You can't do it. But Jesus did it for us. He's already done it. He can get us out of any pit. So we picture Jesus. We look to Jesus. And when you think, I can't do this. All those things you just said, Paul, all the things David did, I can't do it. You're right. But we look to Jesus, and we say, did Jesus do it? Did Jesus persevere? Did Jesus petition God? Yes, yes, yes. And because he did, we can. Because he did it all for us. He rescued us from us. We have a God with scars who overcame the greatest pit in the grave. Because he loves us, and he loves you. That's how Christians respond. We look and picture Jesus Christ, and we persevere. We see what he did, and we say, I'm just going to trust you. Because you did it, I am free. I can overcome this. Because you love me that much, I can do it. Oz Guinness, I think, says it very well. Christians do not say, I do not understand you at all, talking to God, but I trust you anyway. We don't say that. Rather, we say, I do not understand you in this situation, but I understand why I trust you anyway. Therefore, I can trust that you understand even though I don't. That's what Christians say. Because we look at Jesus and we say, this is what Jesus went through for us. Because he accomplished everything that I couldn't accomplish, everything that Christ has, I have in Christ. So I can persevere. I can continue. I can get out of the pit. I can survive and thrive in pits, and I can praise God for his glory. So we can say, by faith, and we can even rest and even be refreshed in the grace of Psalms 40, verses 16 and 17. But, all, but may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. 
May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. Are you trusting God in your pit as a Christian, if you're a Christian? Do you need Jesus to help you out of your pit if you're not a Christian? We can rest in him and rejoice that because of Jesus, we can get out of all pits. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, in a moment we're going to take communion to remind us what Jesus did to suffer for us and to rescue us from all pits because of his great love for us. Maybe this morning you just need to confess before God that you've not been handling your pit as a Christian, and you're a Christian. I encourage you to confess that and call unto Jesus and ask him to help you. Or maybe you're not a Christian. You say, I need someone to rescue me like that. I'd love to show you how you can know Jesus. But as we prepare for communion, talk to God. Ask him to give you the grace and trust in his grace and fight with faith and rest and be refreshed in his grace for us. How deep the Father's love for us beyond all measure that he should give his only son and make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory Oh,